This is the E-Commerce Brain Trust, a podcast about building momentum online for established consumer brands. Join our hosts and their expert guests for high-level conversations about e-commerce strategies, trends, and innovations. Access our Brain Trust and boost your brand's e-commerce potential. Hello and welcome back to the e-commerce Brain Trust podcast. I'm your host, Kiri Masters, Head of Retail Marketplace Strategy at Acadia. And today I have not one but two guests joining me, both on the brand side of the equation and both called Matt, which is going to be pretty interesting to navigate, but I'll introduce them one by one. Matt Kruger is the Vice President of Digital Amazon and D2C at East Point Sports. Matt began his career with pure play sporting goods retailer eastbay.com under the Foot Locker umbrella. He has over 10 years of e-commerce and marketing experience in the footwear and apparel space with the past three to five years focusing on Amazon and global marketplace. With a passion for the digital shelf, organizational transformation and team structure, Matt has recently moved into the CPG hard goods space to lead the digital business for East Point Sports, a private equity backed company and the leader in outdoor and indoor sporting and recreational games. And my second guest, second Matt, is Matt Volk, who has spent his career in e-commerce across a variety of marketing and analytics roles, including managing data warehouses, defining paid media, and developing content management strategies. He's worked across pure play retail, D2C, and most recently the omnichannel brand side at Keen Footwear, where he is Director of Performance and Analytics for Pure Play. These experiences have given him a well-rounded view of the commercial market, product lifecycle, and cross-functional requirements for success at retail. In his current role, he's driving the continued digital transformation process by optimizing retail media, developing best-in-class content, and overseeing robust analytics capabilities. Welcome to the show, Matt Kruger and Matt Volk. Thanks for having us, Kiri. It's an honor. I've been listening for a while and we're excited to be here today. Great to be here, Kiri. Thank you. Yeah. And so something that missed in the intro here is that you were both working together at Keen. And when I put a call out to find out who actually listens to this show, because <laughs> it is sort of difficult to know, Matt Kruger, who's now at East Point Sports, was one of the folks I reached out to. And you suggested that I talk with you and Matt Volk together because you were somewhat of a dynamic duo at Keen, from what I understand. Yeah, it's, you know, I can't say the success that we built at Keen would be without Volk on the team. You know, I'd really navigated the political landscape with our executive leadership team, kind of the corporate structure of how do we want to structure out our marketplace team, overall our retail media team. And I kind of hit, you know, when I built out the team, interviewed Volk, brought him on and really kind of diamond in the rough when it came to that. So from an analytics basis, he kind of really came in and ripped apart everything that I wanted him to and rebuilt from the ground up. So it was essential that, you know, I asked him to join this. So Volk, thank you for all your work and excited to do this with you. Absolutely, Krieger. It was a fun few years. Like you said, we built everything from the ground up and kind of just reimagined what we wanted marketplaces to be and to mean at Keen and how we were going to go about executing and scaling efficiently. And I think that scaling efficiently was one of the key areas that we really worked on closely together and where we've seen a lot of success. So I'm sure we'll touch on that as we move forward. 
Awesome. Well, let's jump in. So this can either be, I guess, Matt Kruger, you're going to switch between talking about Keen and talking about your current company, East Point Sports. But I'd love to jump into first, you know, retail media is a pretty expensive space and changing all the time. Something that listens to this show are just sort of curious to know how does it operate at other companies? What's really working well? And not that it's necessarily going to be the best approach for everyone, but I'd love to first hear what your companies have done well with retail media. Yeah. Oh, it will kind of speak to how Keen's transformed. So at Keen, we actually started with an external agency that was running our media management. And then we were like, hey, we're going to focus on this. Let's build a team out. And that's really built on the promise and support at Keen's leadership of they're more of building internally versus leveraging externally. That's just kind of the mantra. And that's across supply chain, everything. So we built that out. And then now at East Point Sports, actually, I'm going back to externally. And that's due to size. The private equity backing is a little bit different, you know, based on a return on investment. It takes a lot of time and energy to hire an entire team and then, you know, source the technology, et cetera. So I think it's mm-hmm. really based on what is your ownership appetite for? What do you have the human resources to do? What kind of timetable? are you on? So I really took into those accounts and I don't think there's a one size fits all mentality. I think it's really based on, you know, what do you have at scope for whatever role you're in? And I've seen it work well both ways. I would say though, that at Keen and what Volk has built out on his team is pretty fascinating. I'll let him kind of chime in here and kind of what he's seen work well. But the biggest thing I would say that works well is don't have a one size fits all approach because you constantly have to adapt to what's going to work best for your organization. As Krieger mentioned, one size fits all is not the right methodology. When I started at Keen Footwear, I had a mission to take advertising in-house, and it was important that we did so by leveraging technology and automation to help us scale efficiently. So what we did was we partnered with ad automation platforms. There's a few notable ones in the market that we're all familiar with. We looked at Quartile, Perpetua, Solozo, Kenshu at the time, it's since been rebranded. And we picked the platform that met our needs. And within 30 days, we were able to replace the agency with automation. And next, we looked at data extraction platforms. And we found efficient ways to extract not only our advertising data, but all of our sell-through data and build robust dashboards so that we could manage and monitor our advertising activities at the day level to adjust promptly as needed. We also started creating playbooks and really looking at how we can operationalize the decision-making process so that we could prepare ourselves for future expansion into other retail media networks. Once you have a defined playbook that you can reference, you can leverage that across any variety of networks and really scale. Well, I definitely want to dig into that because that sounds heavenly to a lot of people listening. A playbook to operationalize other retail media media platforms. Could you take a minute to explain broad brush of what that actually looks like, the playbook? Yeah, absolutely. So obviously every retail media network has different ways in which you can actually execute your strategy. But aligning on that strategy and where retail media networks really fall into the bigger picture in terms of your 
funnel and your company's broader go-to-market strategy allows you to quickly pivot and fill your role in the broader ecosystem. So we look at what are we trying to achieve on a marketplace or a peer play retailer and how can we support that with retail media? Are we looking to bring a new product to market? Are we looking to effectively manage inventory levels? Are we looking to drive increased sell-through on legacy styles? And there's different ways in which you can achieve each of those. And there's different needs depending on the organization and what your omni-channel mix is. So we've stepped back and taken a look at that. And we've put together a playbook that we can now follow. And we first started by defining the high-level strategy, and then we started putting together the operational components to help us enable that strategy and execute that strategy. So once we know what we want to achieve on a high level, we can then look at what technologies and what data do we need in place to be able to make the best decisions. And then we start building out those technologies and those data sets and those reports. And once we have those in place, we then have our playbook to follow. I want to jump in, Kiri, if I can, I just want to jump yeah. in there really quickly. You have a global background, vast global background. And one of the playbooks that you know Volk and I talked about when we kickstarted this was Keen's a global entity, I think sells on seven or eight different marketplaces around the globe, including, I think, nine countries on Amazon. One of the biggest things that we needed to consider was how do we scale this globally for kind of a centralized team that we don't want to be the holders of running all the media, but we want to be the enablers of it. So that was one piece of the entire playbook that was very important for us as we kind of were setting out on that journey. So I just want to kind of add that in because I think it's, there's a global component of this that I think, you know, you have a lot of knowledge on too. And now Volk does too. Yeah, that's helpful context because you're not just talking about different retailers, but different countries and that with the same retailer, it's still quite complex. So one thing that you mentioned, Volk, which I'd like to touch on is knowing what we want to achieve. And this is something I see a lot of brands end up chasing their tail on is they have a objective to grow or you know, maintain a certain contribution margin or something like that, but then they end up chasing metrics that don't end up really serving that objective. And I think that it's, if I could point to the one biggest mistake I see brands making is not being clear on the objective and then what metrics are really suited to measuring that objective. I would love to hear a little bit more about how you select metrics and you know, align people around activities that are going to actually support that primary objective? Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a handful of metrics I'll speak to in a minute. But stepping back, I think it's really important to understand that advertising and retail media is just one component of a bigger picture. And it's very important that there's transparency amongst the team in regards to the metrics that tell that broader story, that big picture. And so it's really important as marketers that we don't just get focused on our channel marketing metrics like ROAS or something obvious like that. So what we look to is really building out a complete 
reporting suite to include blending sell-in to the retailer, sell-through on the retail channel, marketing specific metrics like ROAS and ACOS and cost to acquire, things like that. And then to take it further, we have to look at inventory and make sure that we're managing media in a way that effectively supports our inventory position. And then ultimately, we need P&L level data to understand contribution margin and to make sure that at the end of the day, we're using our marketing dollars effectively in a way that drives a healthy business. So I know that's a little bit of a cop out because it's kind of like saying everything's important, but it really is to manage it comprehensively. I don't think it's a cop out at all. I think it's actually really illuminating because when you think of a digital commerce practitioner within many organizations, it's what you should be focused on ROAS, it's performance media or, you know, unit sales or something really specific like that. But what you're actually talking about is, well, it touches everything. We also need to be keeping inventory close to us as well. It's not just about these bottom of funnel performance marketing metrics that is typical for a digital e-commerce team to own, but you do need to see the full picture to be able to move the numbers. Yeah, absolutely. And inventory is one that's been particularly interesting for me as I've moved into the brand side and in previous roles on the D2C side. When I started my career in pure play retail, we for the most part didn't hold inventory. And so there's different implications in that environment around the importance of managing healthy inventory. And then In my previous role, I I moved to the DTC side and it was really illuminating. My general philosophy is if you're ever on track to sell out of inventory, you should not be advertising that product. Advertising is a lever to increase sell-through. And once you sell out on retail media platforms, Amazon as an example, you see degradation to that flywheel and it takes time to build that back up. So not only are we looking to current state of inventory, we're always looking at inventory forecasts, sell-through forecasts, and when we're going to be receiving inventory again to replenish. That's one of the key components of the equation that we're looking at today. To name a couple others, or maybe another one that I'm excited about right now is looking at market share. So we have recently partnered with a platform that allows us to look at market share at the weekly level. So we can correlate our broader marketing and promotional activities to changes in market share to really quantify what our efforts are doing in regards to outpacing the market and capturing market share and growing. So I love that. That was great. Yeah. I just sorry, really quick on that. It was actually one of the, when I left Keen upwards of six months ago, we were just starting to deploy that. And I was really excited to see that piece take to light. And now to hear, you know, six months later, if I stayed in conversations, to see that type of data come to head is a huge accomplishment and takes a lot of expertise to do it. And so I think that's a big accomplishment, you know, Volk, that you're able to do it. And, you know, more companies are going to try and do it. It's going to be important for moving forward. Let me ask, why is it challenging? Why is it challenging to deploy it or and or use those insights? Volk, do you want to go into the technical complexities of the automation? I mean, you don't want to go too much, but I think this, Kiri, just I think what Volk and his team has deployed is 
pulling and blending data from market share with sell through information, sell in information to get a holistic picture. It's not just looking at market share. Hey, we had this at this time and this, you know, six months later, this is almost automated constant data blending together across different metrics, but we'll, you know, feel free to, to speak on it. Yeah. I think what's challenging, there's a couple components that make it challenging. First off, there's not a whole lot of data providers in the market, right? And there's even less so for certain categories. So when we're looking at Amazon, for example, categories that have a significant number of child ASINs or child products often make it challenging for these tech platforms that are trying to create algorithms to estimate sell-through across an entire category. And so depending on the category that you play in, there's more or less options out in the market. I've talked to three platforms just in you know the past six weeks that are all working on building this out and are struggling with the clothing and footwear category for that specific reason. Well, one of the challenges is just the availability of partners to provide this information. So this would be just as an example, like a Profitero, for example, that kind of cohort of tech companies? Correct. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's other notable ones, Stackline, Commerce IQ, Perpetua's just announced that they're rolling something out, I think last week or the week before. So it'll be great to see more emergence of options like this in the market. But right now, I think it's still kind of in its infancy. And like from the, like you're talking, like you have what, 1,500 child ASINs under one parent ASIN or something like that from a yeah, catalog think, complexity? Yeah, I think that's our worst example or best example, however you'd classify that. But yeah. So it can be challenging to find a partner. It can be even more challenging to find a partner in the right category. And it can be even more challenging to find a partner that can provide you week level data or as granular as you might want to go. I would always prefer day wise data in anything that I do so that I can roll it up and roll it down however I want. But it can be really challenging to find that in the market. And then what's challenging next is the implementation So you need the right teams. You need business analysts, you need data analysts, you need business intelligence engineers or data engineers to help connect to these APIs, pull it into the data warehouse, model it, blend it with your actual sell through or sell in or whatever it is that you're trying to build. And it suddenly becomes very complex in a large project that requires multiple folks across various departments. So. Well, that's a great segue into the next question I have, which is around org structure. So I would love to hear about how you think about org structure and what you've seen work well. I'll take this one, Volk, at least to start, just because, you know, built that team. I think first and foremost, you know, it's really personnel skill set dependent. You know, another, I don't know if this might be a cop out on my side, but another not one size fits all approach. I do think, you know, as I've came from retail at Foot Locker, then went into the brand side with Keen and now to East Point Sports. One thing I have seen as kind of a general theme is retail media, digital marketing, living under the e-commerce slash digital marketing kind of blended teams, mostly the e-commerce team has seemed to be what I felt have been the most nimble, most efficient, most effective, specifically probably because of some of the data you know, and skill sets that you're used to leveraging every day. You know, right now in my 
organization at East Point Sports, we have an external agency that's going to be handling all of that for us. But it lives within my budget, but I'm right next to our brand marketing team. And it really doesn't matter what budget it lives in because we're working so closely for all the decisions having to make. But I would say in general, the retail media management team has kind of lived in the e-commerce side of the world with an arm extension to brand marketing to keep them close and well-informed to making decisions together. So that's from my side where I've seen the most success. I completely agree. I think at the end, it's important to have a matrix where you're connecting the dots between all the various departments that the marketplace team needs to interact with. You know, as I mentioned in just my last example, it's important that you're close with data, business intelligence. I talked about managing inventory. You need to be close to your supply and demand analysts, your sales team, your brand marketing team. I think the peer play world aligns the skill sets align closely with e-com as well. So I think there's a lot of synergies to be had by being in close contact with the e-com team. So really, regardless of what the structure is at the end of the day, it's important that those dotted lines are in place and that you're facilitating communication so that everybody's working in the same direction and leveraging each other's skill sets where they can. Kerry, can I jump in? Can I ask you, just based on your expertise, you do a lot of these, right? Have I want to flip the question, you know, if I may, you know, have you heard any sentiment of like, this is what never works? You know, if it sits in this area, I've just never seen it work in that aspect of it. Honestly, no. I've seen three core models. One is with the e-commerce team sitting amongst the sales organization. And that can work very well, especially for a more traditional company that is whole you know has a strong wholesale business model that makes a lot of sense amazon is a customer for example and they build you know it's in a new format but it's still a customer that they are selling to <laughs> and so the sales team just ends up building that digital muscle and capability because they have to i've also seen a center of excellence model work well actually the episode just prior to this one was with Ingrid Milman Cordy, who is in that role for Nestle Health Sciences. She's in a center of excellence kind of role and helps to guide and advise the sub brands. There's about a dozen of those. So there is sort of a shared responsibility there for outcomes, and that can work really well. And then there's also a model of having an e commerce or digital focused team who has their background specifically in that area, they may lack the traditional sales, national sales experience or shopper marketing, but they're first and foremost e-commerce and digital experts. And that can also work well because that's their background and capability. So in each of those scenarios, I think that there's not an ideal model for everyone. There are trade-offs for each of those, but it's going to depend on the legacy of the company Like you guys mentioned, the capabilities of the team as well is really important. So if you've already got some of those bones already, you might want to build on that. But those are the three models I typically see, and each of those have some benefits and drawbacks. Got it. Thank you for sharing. Yeah, that makes total sense. was just curious if there was any outliers in there, but I think, yeah, when I would have seen kind of the two or three scenario of what you just shared kind of in our model, which makes sense. So 
I think in any of those scenarios, if there's not executive buy-in, then that's a death knell. (laughs) And also if the incentives are not really aligned overall. Another challenge that I've seen is as, for example, Amazon reaches higher in the purchase journey toward more top of funnel advertising capabilities and marketing capabilities, it's now a little bit of a hot potato if a brand has a traditional brand team, a performance team, because that channel really with tools like Amazon DSP and can buy a Thursday night football ads and Amazon marketing cloud. It really is more than ever a top of funnel mechanism as much as a performance mechanism. And so where does then certain types of media buyers, where do they sit? Also given that like the funnel, the purchase funnel, as we previously knew it is kind of shape shifting (laughs) over time as well. And so what you're seeing, you might be seeing an ad on Amazon and the person who's seen that out a few times, checks out on Walmart or checks out on your D2C site or something like that. It's all changing shape pretty quickly. So these delineation between like a brand team and a performance team and different metrics there, that seems to be more and more of a challenge for brands to grapple with. That makes sense, especially with the size of the team, you know, not just the overall company size, but where you at with Amazon. I think it's also interesting if you have those digital marketing teams having separate agencies, you know, one for mass media buying, and then you have your marketplace agencies. How are they converging? That gets really kind of tricky. That's a good one. Yeah. Yep. I'm sitting in that seat ourselves. There is, yeah, there is a big difference just in the way things work gets defined and incentives between a creative brand agency and a performance agency for sure. Yeah, we're running up on time here. I wanted to make sure that we cover something pretty fairly tactical, which is around metrics. So what are the most important metrics that you both track in your day-to-day? Well, go for it. (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot, but I will try to hone in on some of the most important ones. So ROAS or ACOS is clearly important when we look at executing our ads on a retail media platform. But some of the bigger metrics that I think tell a broader story that are very important, as I've mentioned, market share, sell-through, inventory position, and forecast. Hmm. I think those probably sum up the metrics that I'm honed in on on a daily basis. I won't duplicate as much if I remember the ones that Volks said, so I'll stay away from those. But yeah, those, you know, tacos... I would say two other pieces. So like I say it in velocity acceleration, but more so, you know, how fast can we launch a new item, you know, to go from, you know, 10 units a week to 25 units a week to 50 units a week. Like what is that time duration? Because that starts to set precedence for our future product innovation and how fast we can launch a product is indicative of our future success in certain areas. So that's kind of a qualitative metric. A little bit of quantitative, but just qualitative. And then I would say one piece that we look in, and this is partially because of the private equity backing, but individual, let's say Amazon, individual SKU, ASIN, contribution margin based on our cost, et cetera. You know, that has been a hot topic because certain parts, we have a pretty multiple category business and certain categories have different contribution margin impacts. CPCs are different, you know, 
So we really try and look at the individual ASIN contribution margin. And it's very hard because you have to do a lot of data analysis compared against your cost of goods. And then, you know, so that's where it gets into really complicated analysis to get that type of level of granularity and something we are far from perfect at and we're doing it as comprehensive as we need to be, but something we will look at in the future. Yeah, that's super interesting. I can see how challenging that is. Can I add one more thing? Yeah. Can I add one more thing in regards to execution of ads is looking at the spend allocation mix. And I think that's something that's very critical. And what I mean by that is looking at your mix of ad dollars at the funnel level, at the search intent level, whether that be branded category terms, competitor terms, etc. And really understanding that portfolio and how it's made up is critical. And often changes in performance can be attributed to a change in that mix. And so it's important to keep tabs on that on a regular basis. And that can be yes. really challenging. That can mean, you know, parsing out individual search terms and things like that. But building that muscle and building that ability to quickly measure that is very important. That's a great point. Yeah, really good. So let's wrap up the conversation today, just talking about some predictions for retail media. What are your top three predictions, Matt Kruger? Yeah, I think I'll try to be brief here. So one, I think in the short term, at least, and maybe some will agree with me on this, is I think there's going to be kind of a digital advertising cost reset. I think budgets are getting tighter. Obviously, the economic situation is what it is, but I think their CPCs have been going up for so drastically for the last two years. I think there could be somewhat of a decent downturn here for the next I don't know, six to nine months, maybe until we kind of get the retail landscape in order. I like to hope that there's going to be kind of some portal convergence, you know, when the ad portal lives over here and then your retail kind of commerce and inventory management marketplace portal lives over there and they don't always talk to each other. There needs to be some type of like centralization in some of those pieces to help kind of make this analysis easier. I'm hoping in the future there's some type of like physical advertising component to this. You know, can you buy direct mail flyers through a media retail media platform? So you're hitting, you know, an Amazon flyer at this customer, then they go online, you're hitting with a digital ad. You know, is that the future of what potentially could come? I'm like to think there is. I mean, some of that's already happening with kind of Walmart Connect and, you know, uh, Whole Foods and stores. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's going to emerge in the future to be something that's going to be really, really multi-channel versus what we just consider multi-channel today. Cool. How about you, Matt Volk? Yeah, I agree with Krieger on the convergence aspect. I hope to see a convergence of technologies in this space to help folks better centrally manage retail media networks across the market. I haven't seen a lot of technologies that do that very well today. But I think there's more and more coming from what I've seen is there's some platforms that manage a wide breadth of retail networks, but maybe don't have the depth that I would like to execute on the specifics of what I'm looking to execute. And so I hope and I think that we will see a sort of convergence where these platforms continue to build out their expertise in a meaningful and deep way to really help us manage the whole market. So that's one thing that I'm personally hoping for and excited for so that we can go to market more effectively. And I do agree that we'll have a short-term, likely have a short-term reset in terms of the competition on the marketplace as brands look to focus on operational 
execution here in 2023 and potentially pull back on budgets. I do think, however, in the long term, we're going to continue to see increases in CPCs and cost to acquire a customer. I think, you know, we've seen that play out time and again on various channels that have proven to be very effective. And I think we're seeing that in retail media networks as well. I know over the past couple of years on the whole, we saw in the market brands shift some of their budget that might have been, you know, performance budget on other channels, social, Google, brand marketing, et cetera, and push it into these retail media networks where there's a high purchase intent. And I think we'll continue to see that over time. Yeah. Interesting. I'm not sure I agree with you guys about the short-term costs coming down because Amazon in particular is really trying to shore up more reach into smaller brands and looking at all of the things that they're building on their media platform specifically for smaller brands and encouraging them to get into video by providing DIY video tools and things like that. And then on the other end of the spectrum, really courting these non-endemic brands, you know, airlines, insurance companies, restaurants, people, brands that don't sell physical products on Amazon, they're really trying to bring that in as an additional source of revenue and anticipating a pullback in spend from endemic brands who might see lower overall sales now. So that competition from non-endemics and very small companies, I think is going to offset any decrease that we might have seen otherwise. That's really insightful. I didn't even think about some of that stuff. So it's going to be interesting what that will play as a factor in the future for sure. Yeah. I mean, I'm not hoping that that happens, but (laughs) I can just see like Amazon's really in a lot of the examples that they're providing. It's not like they're not showing a case study with Lego. They're showing a case study with Carnival Cruises to kind of prove to the car manufacturers and the hospitality companies that Amazon is not just a place where you can advertise physical consumer items. But anyway, we will have to like note this as I think it is actually one of my predictions that I'm putting forward in 2023. So we'll see by the end of the year if I'm right about that (laughs) or if you guys get lucky and have your prediction come true. I I know which side listeners of this show are going to be rooting for. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for coming on the show. Great to get two different perspectives, two guys with similar background, but yeah, always great to hear from the brand practitioner side of the house and learn about what's working right now with retail media. Really appreciate our time today, Kiri. Thanks again. Thank you.